Thinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Today, we have a special awesome guest that I'm super excited about. I've been watching this guy's work for the past year or so, as many of his brilliant tweets have gone mega viral. Our guest this week is Mr. Alex Zek, who has been making huge waves lately with his organization, Health Freedom for Humanity. He also has his own podcast, and like us, he's been targeted with censorship by nearly every mainstream social media platform that exists. Nonetheless, he has skyrocketed to success in the freedom movement and even shared the stage with the legendary RFK Jr. Now, it's obvious they don't want this guy to get popular, but we're going to do everything we can to change that. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Zek. It's an honor to have you on. I've been following your work now for at least a year, and I noticed you've made a lot of waves on social media with some mega viral tweets that you've had. Um, so I'm excited to have you on and hear more about your work. Uh, I know you're a former Army captain and a West Point graduate. You are also the executive director of Health Freedom for Humanity, and you also have a podcast called The Way Forward. Can you maybe tell us what got you into all this and what you specifically focus on with your work with your organization, Health Freedom for Humanity? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It's always an honor. Um, I say this a lot and I mean it. I'm just a 29-year-old average white dude who uh, likes to share some thoughts on things and people seem to resonate with it. So um, yeah, to give some background on me and how I got involved in this space, uh, as briefly as I can, because that journey is, that could be like three podcast episodes in and of itself. But, um, I grew up in a household that was extremely chaotic and abusive. My dad was sort of just repeating patterns of generational abuse. Um, and then my mom was very negligent and codependent, more focused on fixing my dad or trying to fix my dad, avoiding her own individual problems and, uh, not really, giving myself and my siblings the attention that we deserved as, as their children. And so my dad, when I was 13, went to rehab for six months, six months to a year. And when he went to rehab, my mom, because of just the dynamic between those two, went to go see a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist didn't ask my mom about anything in the realm of trauma healing, um, anything to do with, you know, her diet or her connection to God, source, universe, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, no modalities to help her heal. It was simply a 15 minute discussion. And then she was prescribed multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs. Right. And of course, at the time we thought, well, they're the experts, they know best. And we didn't question any of it. But over the course of the next 10 
10-ish years, my mom's health continued to spiral downward. And it was a spiral because she would have up moments. And in those up moments, we were like, oh my God, the drugs are working. We, you know, have our mom back, so to speak. And in the down moments, and when I say down, and they became progressively worse over 10 years, um, she would be hallucinating, not leaving her room for two to three weeks at a time, hardly eating, hardly sleeping, thinking that I was her dad and she was her 13 year old self again, just screaming, crying, walking around the house at like 2 a.m., seeing figures and stuff. And, um, and then was in and out of mental hospitals, had multiple suicide attempts in mental hospitals. It was, it was extremely dark. And so my personal story within that, and it, it all kind of connects is one of the many positive aspects of my upbringing. And there, there were a lot, like it wasn't all bad, right? There was some dark ass shit. I mean, I was physically abused. I was verbally abused. I was neglected. It was just chaos all the time. But m- because my dad was so authoritarian, I was smart enough and athletic enough to get into West Point. That was actually the only reason I went to West Point was because that was the only division one basketball school that was recruiting me. <laughs> That's literally the only reason. Um, I never thought about being in the army, although I did grow up near uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And a lot of my friends' parents were officers in the army, but that had never crossed my mind. It was simply because that was the only school recruiting me for basketball. And um, ended up going to, to West Point, knew that I would have to serve five years in the army. Didn't really know what I th- thought about it. It was more so going there for basketball. I get there, get cut from the basketball team right <laughs> during cadet basic training. So I, you know, was considering leaving, but it was like kind of decided to stay because in the matrix or in normie land, having a degree from West Point means something, right? So it's just like, you know what, I'll finish this out, serve my minimum of five years, get out. And then I have a degree from West Point. And so fast forward to my senior year at West Point, my at West Point, we call it first year, my senior year at West Point, um, we're looking to put my mom in a long-term facility at this point in time because of how bad her health has gotten. Um, and by chance, she saw a therapist. I don't remember the therapist's name, but the therapist was reading a book called A Mind of Your Own by Dr. Kelly Brogan. And how do you looked up Dr. Kelly Brogan back then? And especially now on Google, you would find that she's a quote, pseudoscientific quack spreads misinformation and disinformation deliberately trying to harm people. And my mom, um, or at the time, Kelly happened to have a practice in New York City and West Point is in New York. I had my West Point graduation. So my mom came from my graduation. She was basically delusional the entire time. However, she was there. And then she went to go see Kelly with my dad. My parents were still together at that time. That's a, that's a whole separate story. (laughs) But my, uh, they, they went to go see Kelly and Kelly said, Ali, you are not bipolar. You're not this, you're not that. You need to focus on healing your trauma. You have trauma that you have just stuffed down and suppressed it with these uh, benzodiazepines, SSRIs. They've made you worse. You need to be mindful. You need to treat food not only as a source of nutrition, but as a source of medicine for your body. You need to completely reframe the way you look at life. Just a very holistic approach to health. And in a matter of four to six months, my mom's health, actually really in a matter of two to four months, my mom's health began turning around. We began seeing sides of her we hadn't seen in nearly 10 years. And so she began to heal. And then my wife, who I just married at the time, nine years prior was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and was again under the care of multiple rheumatologists. Um, 
was chronically inflamed all the time. Uh, your SED rates, your ESR, which is like the blood inflammation, the inflammation levels in your blood. My wife's were off the charts. Normal human range is between 20 to 28. My wife's was at 68, which is like the highest on the charts. And then when she was on some of these immunosuppressive drugs, immunosuppressive drugs, she was oddly enough, she was on hydroxychloroquine for a while. Her SED rates went down to like around 45 to 50, but the pharmaceuticals she was on led to other symptoms, which led to more drugs, which led to other symptoms, which led to more drugs. And she was on this like never ending wheel of pharmaceutical products. And after we saw my mom begin to heal, we were like, let's just try the same approach to you and see if it works. And so we started this holistic approach to health. My wife started tapering off all of her medications that doctors said she'd have to be on forever. Um, and she started feeling better than she'd felt in 10 years. And finally she had been offered all of her medications for like a month. So we just decided to schedule another appointment to see if her blood work reflected that. Sure enough, her blood work reflected that she had like no inflammation and her inflammation was within normal range. Wow. And the rheumatologist was kind of like, well, it seems like your medicine's working pretty well this time. She's like, I'm not on <laughs> any medicine. I've actually gotten off all of my medicine and it just changed the way that I approach health. So those two situations, right as I commissioned as an officer in the army, put me through tons of cognitive dissonance, obviously. And it wasn't that like I was super pro allopathic, pro pharmaceutical, but like when I was at West Point, I got all my vaccines. I didn't think anything of it. Um, when I, you know, I, I thought I was healthy and I was for the most part, I was an athletic dude. Um, but after seeing two people in my life who are perpetually ill, one almost dying within the allopathic system, leave that system and then adopt the approach of a quote, pseudoscientific quack and begin to heal drastically, that changes your whole outlook on health and everything. So we, I just began researching obsessively, like what else do I not know? And that led me down the rabbit hole of 9-11. That led me down the rabbit hole of literally everything as it, you know, typically does for people. And it was really interesting because that was while I was an officer in the U.S. Army, just graduated from West Point. I began learning the truth about our government and what our government does. And I was just like, oh, my God, I definitely want to get out. I knew I already wanted to get out after five years, but I was like, I definitely want to get out. And there's still like a piece of me prior to COVID which is the next piece of the story. There's still a piece of me that said, you know what, as long as I don't serve a combat role, I can still stay in the system because that's okay. That's how I rationalized it in my head. I'm so thankful for COVID be because once COVID hit and I'd already done all the research on pharmaceutical corruption, I'd already done all the research on our government corruption. I'd already done all the research on uh, holistic health and was already seeing it be demonized. And was already aware of the left versus right illusion, like all of it. I, as soon as COVID hit, that was my, or that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I was like, all right, I'm fucking done with this. And around May of 2020, I had had enough of what I was seeing, especially a lot of my friends um, talk about on social media and some of the things that they were saying. And I was just a normal dude on social media who posted pictures of his kids and you know, myself at like a concert or something like that. Never really used my account to raise awareness to anything. But around May, I had had enough and I started speaking. And 
it started resonating with people and you know people started sharing it all over the place and i started connecting with doctors and nurses and scientists who agreed with what i was saying and i saw a need for a sort of i guess grassroots group that was that existed outside of any political or religious paradigm that was really grounded in we're people from all walks of life who share one common uh, belief. And that is that every person has the right to choose what is best for their own health without coercion or force. So that's what it went into starting health freedom for humanity. And we launched in January of 2021. And the other thing that we do differently than other health freedom organizations is that we're not focused on petitioning the government, asking the government for permission, contacting our congressman or senator or anything like that. We don't do any of that. And I'm not going to say that that doesn't have an impact in some ways, maybe it sometimes does, but I'm more focused and our organization is more focused on helping people understand that they are already free by virtue of existing. You have a right to life. You have a, and because you have a right to life, you have a right to be healthy and you have a right to do things that maintain your own life so long as you're not imposing upon another. And that is what our organization does. And we have 19 state chapters and we're growing as fast as we possibly can, but we only have three people working behind the scenes. So it's taking some time and chapters in three other countries and a podcast and host events. And we're just focused on educating, empowering and uniting people from all walks of life. And that's what I do is a full-time job now. And I, you know, if you had told me three years ago, this is what I'd be doing. I would have said you're absolutely batshit crazy. So here I am. <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. And wow. Like my, my mind's blown right now and it kind of like connects all the pieces because, um, it's, it's quite clear you're passionate about this, you know, and not only are you well-researched, but you're very motivated to share these ideas, share your research. So it makes sense that uh, this hits close to home with Big Pharma kind of being uh, the culprit behind the scenes with both COVID and it sounds like, um, you know, the experiences both your loved ones were having. Um, and yeah, I, I was actually, uh, you know, looking up some of your work and it's just amazing how much you've accomplished in such a short period of time. And you should really give yourself a pat on the back for that. Uh, me and Matt have been doing this. Uh, we started the free thought project in 2013. So we've been doing this for uh, nearly 10 years now. And I, I certainly notice when people come onto the scene and they explode onto the scene and they start to create waves, you know, uh, and you certainly did. So, um, you know, certainly congrats on that. And there's a reason why, you know, you're, you're very articulate, uh, you're very well educated once it comes to this kinds of stuff. And like I said, you're very passionate. Um, so you went from basically, uh, you know, that awakening process to sharing a stage with RFK Jr. Uh, in Los Angeles, if I remember seeing that correctly, which is quite impressive, man. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that you did mention your mom because uh, I kept seeing uh, another Zach kind of floating around on the interwebs yeah and i was like ali zek ali zek is that like is she related to to, to daniel zek or like how is this but is daniel zek like, and alex zek two different people like it's alec or alexander or daniel wait then there's ali hey yeah. i was gonna get into that too because yeah that's another thing on on my list here to talk about but it's, it appears that your mom has twitter game as well i mean uh, is that just something that runs in the family or what Dude, I just think it's because of our experiences. Like we've we've lived it. We've lived the corruption of pharmaceutical companies. And I, I guess we're like, I mean, my mom was always really good at writing. She was a journalism major in uh, in college and she wanted to be a journalist, but she didn't. She ended up being like a state farm agent and a realtor for a little bit and then some other jobs. Um, 
and because the first half of my life my dad was a college basketball coach so we like my mom just got whatever job she could get near where my dad was coaching but um she'd always talked about wanting to write a book so it like it's just natural for her to be good at writing and actually at west point that was my absolute best subject was anything in the realm of, of writing and just like breaking down complex things and i also majored in systems engineering so i'm able to piece together multiple things and how they all connect into one optimal solution typically for nefarious purposes so i'm able to you know highlight that pretty well but it's the same with my mom we, we just we've lived it but we're also i guess just good at writing sure yeah you know um oh go ahead matt go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say how um uh, impressed Anna, you woke up in the military man i was uh as you may not know, I was in the uh, Marine Corps for four years. I was going to guess that, dude. You just like carry the, not in a bad way, like actually in a, a very familiar way to me, you just carry that. Oh, <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. You seem to have like progressed through that a little, like a little bit better, man. I mean, obviously uh, the last thing I was doing and when I was in the Marine Corps was waking up, you know, it took me years after I got out to even have like a, a, a an original thought, you know, I was much younger. I went in and, uh, you, so you went to the college first, I guess, through West point, which is still military indoctrination, but oh, for sure. I'm it's a little less than the, you know, straight into boot camp and then, you know, straight into deployment and everything like that. So it was a little bit different, but then you went into the military and you woke up in the military, man, which is, is exceedingly rare. Like I, all of my friends that, uh, I served with, you know, they, uh, all but one of them woke up like way after, you know, and it's it's incredible. I was in intelligence in um in the Marine Corps, so that's why I think it was a little smarter people. They all started to wake up around. We all started to wake up around the same time, and, and uh, there was one guy who uh, I was enlisted. I wasn't an officer, but uh, one of my I mean, friends. You're smarter uh, and less indoctrinated, by the way. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. <laughs> but one of one of my friends uh, woke up while he was in, and he actually had made it through. He went to the. Uh, he went to a warrant officer and then made it to, uh, you know, to, he was eventually like, a, I think he got out last year as Lieutenant Colonel. And, um, anyway, he woke up while he was in there and he felt trapped, man. And, you know, he was getting deployed to Afghanistan and shit. And, and he, and this is like, he's the one who's been sending me emails and helping to wake me up. And he's like, dude, there's this guy talking. I heard talk like last year, his name was Ron Paul, you know, and that was in 2006 or seven. And, um, so yeah, the the bravo for being able to break out of that <clears throat> mentality, man. I I didn't even come. I was just like a socialist basically until I heard Ron Paul speak in two thousand and eight. You know, like I woke up to this corporatocracy, and I I thought that it was you know that the whole problem was was capitalism. Was at, <laughs> that's who I pointed the finger at? But um, yeah, then eventually you know moved on to this, and the fact that you did it so fast is pretty pretty intense. I'm applaud you for that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring up like the socialism piece because prior to, I would say up until 2019, um, democratic socialism was appealing to me. And it was simply because like, I looked at the way corporations operated within our country and I had this perception, although now I think it's a complete illusion that other countries like Sweden, um, who to be clear are more homogenized. So when you have a more homogenized group of people who are typically of the same mindset with the same values, it's much easier for you to exist in a structure that is social like that, that is more leaning towards that. But um, I just looked at the way our country was run and immediately swung the exact opposite way, but I could never reconcile how like uh, 
you know, people like Bernie Sanders, for example, was so pro pharma and pro vaccine, uh, but then also would talk about bad about the pharmaceutical companies, but then would say good things elsewhere. And I was like, dude, does he not fully get it? Maybe he's just not aware. And then once COVID hit, and to be clear, I had never voted. I've always thought, at least in our country, the left versus right paradigm was a complete illusion. It was just, I looked at countries like Sweden, like Denmark, like Norway, like Finland, who are typically more leaning in the direction of democratic socialism. I was like, you know what? Like that could honestly work. But I just, as soon as COVID hit, I was like, okay, no fucking way. Literally not like that will never, ever, ever work. And I'm actually, I would consider myself, I don't like labels, but more leaning towards voluntarist or anarchist now. Like that's, that's honestly, I just think if we can, each obey natural laws, right? Like not imposing our will onto another life form. And there's some spiritual implications there too, at least for my, my own self, then we can all exist without any sort of centralized authority over us altogether, period. Like I just don't see any purpose for it. Everything that I see government touching, it makes worse. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. That's the logical process, man. That's what, that's what leads to voluntarism is is challenging your principles and breaking through cognitive dissonance that is necessary for supporting a statist society. You you keep like that that cognitive dissonance holding two controversial beliefs at the same time is, is what's necessary to exist. You know, you have you have people like Lauren Bobert, the congresswoman from um from Colorado, you know, we did a piece on her when she was running because she said taxation is theft. And I'm like, whoa, she's running for, you Hell know, yeah. and now she's completely status, still, still believes in the drug war, you know, all this other shit. It's just like, really? So you, you think taxation is theft, but it's okay to use that drug, that money to go after people who want to put something voluntarily into their bodies that you disagree with, really? Okay. <laughs> it's been the taxation is theft motto has been adopted by the right, even if they don't quite get it fully i mean i feel like they're on the path to maybe understanding it but they still haven't yeah converted completely over to volunteerism um but yeah i agree with uh, what you had said there uh, you know it's funny bernie sanders spent so much time demonizing the government uh talking about um you know how out of control the state is and yet he still wants to continue to grow it you know that's Dude, kind of it makes double no standards sense. it's like well why don't we grow why don't we have more policies why don't we have more agencies uh, to you know, combat the the government corruption. And it's like, wait, do you just not like connect the dots here, Bernie? Because he so, does say so many good things, right? Yeah, like, sure, but then sure. he always brings it back to the solution is to have more government that is making all the right. problems, have more corporate involvement that is creating all the problems behind the scenes, and is actually running the government. It makes literally no sense. He's so contradictory, and like a piece of me wants to believe he's actually a well-intentioned dude. He's just still so caught up in that paradigm and can't see outside of it. But then I second guess that when I see, you know, video surface of moms who have vaccine injured kids approaching him and he just like brushes them off. I'm like, dude, there's something else there. Sure. It, yeah. He has a block to that, to seeing that, man. I mean, he could be like a well-intentioned dude. And I think, you know, when I've listened to him talk on long form conversations like this on like Rogan several times and he his it seems like he's genuinely good. And I think that's he would not have been so easily cast out of the establishment, you know, uh, like during the primaries and everything, had he not been, had some, some good intentions, you know. <clears throat> and economics are just so important. You know, once you yeah. start to kind of understand economics, you really look at the world through a whole different lens and uh, just feels, it feels like he's refused to do that. And, and, you know, maybe he's more on, on par with some of the mainstream economic, but, you know, 
from a libertarian point of view, it's Austrian economics kind of makes the most sense. And uh, once you start to kind of dive into that world, it's almost like you start connecting the pieces, the dots start to connect in your own mind. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense. Uh, voluntary voluntarism is the only moral, um, morally consistent, logically consistent uh, ideology out there. There's that that old joke, you know, what's the difference between libertarian and the and a voluntarist or an anarchist and at, at six months, you know, because if you are doing the work, if you are doing the research, you know, you kind of go down the line, you're trying to be consistent with applying the non-aggression principle and eventually, yeah, you will end up in voluntarism. You know, there's, there's really no way of deviating outside of that. Now, of course, um, you know, big tech hates it when we're consistent about the non-aggression principle and applying that yes. to your thoughts online. And I know that's something that you've dealt with quite a bit, right? Uh, I think we messaged back and forth. I asked you, like, well, how many accounts do you have now? And you're like, well, this is my ninth, like, casually, you know. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, you've probably experienced as much censorship as we have. Uh, in 2018, we actually lost 6 million fans. Um, wow. both Facebook and Twitter took us down on the same day. And uh, it was pretty devastating. You know, we're still trying to rebuild uh, since then. Um, but I, I know you've had like so many different accounts now with different names and I, I kind of like embarrassed to admit this, but I actually don't know your real first name. I don't know if it's Alex or Alex <laughs> okay, or, or, or what. I just call you Mr. Zach, you know, whenever I talk to people about you, it's like Thank Zach. You. I feel yeah, very Zach. important when you say Mr. Zach. Um, <laughs> uh, so my name is Daniel Alexander Zach, but okay. my parents, for whatever reason, they say it's because my dad's name is Derek. And my mom's name is Ali and you put Ali and Derek together and it's Alec. And that's like, could be an abbreviated version of version of my middle name, Alexander. It's all really confusing. It's even still confusing to me, but I go by <laughs> Alec. I always have, which is like in a, a shortened version of my middle name, but it okay. also helps advantage because I can make it seem like to the tech overlords that I'm like a bunch of different people. So it's like, Hmm, we see this account. It looks similar, but it's a different name. Okay. Maybe we'll just leave them alone this time, but that hasn't worked because I've been deleted so many times. So, well, yeah, I, I did want to talk about that because like one of your accounts says you're a taxidermist and other <laughs> one says you're like a, a costume shop, you know? So it's like obvious that you're using like these, you know, these fronts or these aliases to try to avoid some of that. Like, what have you learned is the best way to avoid this rampant censorship? I mean, um, I think we all have different strategies, but like, how do you continue to stay positive and optimistic in the midst of all this big tech information control? Yeah, dude, this is a really good question. I could pull so many threads here. The first one I want to say is I am not concerned. I used to be. I'm not anymore with getting my message out and like being deleted because I know that my message, I trust that my message and what I have to say will reach the people that it needs to reach to help them break through illusions and step into their own power. So sure. I'm not too concerned with that anymore. I actually have fun with the censorship. Um, now to answer your, or, uh, your question in another way, how to avoid censorship, uh, I would say be belligerent, reinforce the left versus right illusion, reinforce germ theory and tell half truths and also act, uh, or fear monger people and make them outsource to you and blindly follow you. I would say that that is the best way to avoid censorship. 
<laughs> that's well put, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> Just tell the establishment line. That's how you avoid censorship. Repeat their yep. narrative and, and add, ad nauseum. Yep. Even if you're like appearing to be contrarian or appearing to be a part of the so-called resistance or whatever, or, you know, a leader in the health freedom movement, if you just continue to tell people to, uh, you know, support this candidate over that candidate, or if we could just get this person in office, everything will be good. Uh, if we, you know, we need to highlight the fraud of the bioweapon. It's an, it's all a bioweapon. There's another virus coming. They're trying to kill us, which is true. But like there, there's so many threads of reinforcing the narrative while also telling half truths that uh, allow people to stay up. And it's really interesting. It's the most belligerent accounts that are reinforcing that paradigm that appear to be against the accepted narrative in any which way that always remain up. And the ones who are teaching people that they are already free, that they don't need to petition the government. They don't even need to involve themselves with the government, even going into the depths of common or natural law and operating in the private and helping people step into their own power and learn that all of that's an illusion, that viruses have never been proven to exist, that you don't need to be scared of so-called viruses at all. Uh, you're going to get deleted <laughs> if you share that, like for sure. <laughs> Who, do you have any examples of these accounts that uh, you, you'd be willing to say publicly? I'll let people. I'll let people decide yeah. for themselves. Right. Yeah, I was well, going to make another point about that. If you get close enough, you can even break the rules on social media. You can even call for people's deaths. You can you can advocate. You can um, you can direct violence towards them if you're close enough with the establishment and very good enough at at um, towing that line and, and repeating their points. Then you can even break the rules, their own rules and advocate for violence. <clears throat> yeah, hate speech doesn't apply anymore. There's definitely selective enforcement. And uh, we've we've recognized that for years on the big tech platforms. And some of the worst are probably the fact checkers. You know, um, just this morning, uh, we got hit for a meme that we shared. It's actually a Julian Assange quote. Uh, he was quoting all the different uh, dictators and tyrants over the years. And the death counts associated to, um, you know, the tyrannical acts and also mentioning uh, that each one had been involved with gun control. And sure enough, PolitiFact came around and said, well, there's no direct link between gun control and killings by authoritarian regimes. <laughs> I mean, like how they could even with a straight face present this this type of fact. It's a blatant lie. It's a blatant lie. It's completely subjective, too. I mean, you'd really have to kind of make some really subjective arguments to even have any type of basis for that statement. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, it, it seems to be getting worse. You know, it seems like they're getting more and more desperate with these fact checks. Like they're now associating like it, they won't even take the words you said and fact check it. They'll say, well, we fact checked something three weeks ago and it kind of has some overlap with something that you've said. So we're just going to go ahead and throw this fact check. It's like they're getting lazy. They're less and less uh, competent. Uh, they're less and less believable. I know their credibility is waning. I, I know most people, even the normies, you know, even the low up low effort thinkers. I mean, I see saying, you know, the, what are they talking about? This is completely insane. This fact check doesn't even apply to this post. So, I mean, what's, uh, what's pretty scary about my Instagram accounts is I haven't had that many posts flagged for misinformation. Like oftentimes, you know, I'm on my eighth account and my ninth account, and I have a 10th account technically too. My eighth account 
has this is pretty cool actually has more followers than i've ever had um which shows that like through the seven accounts previous like this censorship doesn't work i grow bigger and bigger each time but that one is dead in the water shadow banned you can't even find it um but most of my accounts that have been deleted they haven't fact checked anything they just delete the account without saying anything and when i try to contact them they don't reply same with twitter I was deleted for a specific tweet the first time I was deleted, but I asked them what it violated because it was literally me posing a question and they didn't answer. And then I was deleted again on Twitter. And then yesterday, this was pretty wild. Um, And this isn't technically censorship, but this might be scarier. Yesterday, my personal PayPal was deleted. My personal Venmo was deleted. My organization, Health Freedom for Humanities, PayPal was deleted. And my uh, organ, my smaller organization, The Way Forward's PayPal was also deleted all within the span of an hour and a half. Holy so, shit. Yeah. Are your personal yeah. and your business separate from each other? Are they under yep, different? Yeah, they're completely separate. They're under different emails on different accounts. My Health Freedom for Humanity one, I don't even have access to the PayPal account or I don't use it a lot. And my name, I don't think, is associated with it in any way. It's it's our organization, our deputy executive director runs it so i saw that on, on twitter some uh eric july he also was deleted from uh paypal i was uh was unable to sleep last night thinking like oh fuck they're gonna do the same thing to us and and remove all paypal but i got up and checked and i was like okay we're still good but yeah apparently they're cracking down right now yeah i had a, I had a friend ben tapper his paypal was deleted a month ago and he reached out to paypal and asked what he specifically violated they never applied so i'm not gonna hold my breath i'm sure because I, I reached out to them yesterday and, and asked what i violated and they haven't replied yet either and it's just interesting because they would have had to had have someone specifically tip them off about me or someone internal to paypal know about me because they would have had to cross reference multiple accounts that i'm associated with some that don't even have my name on them and just know that i'm affiliated with them and remove them there has to be some some third-party entity who's doing all this i mean when we were taken down remember this is 2018 um it was within the same day both twitter and facebook and that was one of the first times that both of those companies had coordinated at least for the same day removal of pages and accounts um so yeah i mean what do you think do you do you think there's some kind of like third party agency that's being um you know funded by these big tech companies to like tar i mean i know this is all speculative you're putting yeah your tinfoil hat here, but I mean, it, it almost would make sense, right? Like, um, dude, I think it's either that there is some unnamed third party entity that, you know, follows the network of all of us that connect closely and maybe sees the ones who are causing too much waves against them. Right. And when I say against them, it's like those like you, Jason, like you, Matt, and I, and what you guys do, it's like, we're not being hostile or belligerent. We're actually just saying, ignore the fucking system because it's all fraudulent. It's all an illusion and step away from it altogether rather than use your energy and power to quote, resist the system. What you resist persists. Just step away from it. Take your monopoly pieces off the board and go the other way. Raise awareness to the issues of the system. Call it the lie. Call it the lie that they propagate and the propaganda and all of it. But don't give it your energy by resisting it because that's saying that you have power over it. So the ones that are saying that, I think that they highlight those and target them much more than the other ones. And I think it's either that or I think that there actually are, and I want to be specific with my word choice here. 
there are elements of controlled opposition within these movements. No doubt. We know that like that's, it's, it's too obvious. That's how they run. They absolutely want to control any of the movements that are against them and lead them astray. So they don't actually have any positive effect. So I think that, you know, I I'm, I'm becoming increasingly aware of people that I've associated with that I am now trying to distance myself from. And I haven't associated with them too closely. It's just more like an acquaintance thing, but still I'm now looking at some of the other things that they've done and questioning their motives and saying, okay, I'm just going to distance myself from them completely because I just, the way they behave kind of indicates to me that they may be some co-opted agent. Sure. Now you got to trust your spidey sense on those things. Yep. In regard and you to can that obsess party. about that shit, dude. You you can really obs- like where it will overwhelm you, and you don't want to fucking trust anyone. You're like yeah. looking over your shoulder at every moment. And I had that for like a four to six month period, um, roughly a year ago, where I was just so paranoid, and I didn't want to associate with anyone. I didn't trust anyone, and that is fucking shitty. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole either. So it's it's like this weird balance where you just have to be discerning and. You know, I just kind of keep to myself and maybe we'll only share with my friends like, hey, I'm, you know, this individual does some things that you need to look out for. Or what do you think of this? What do you think of their behavior there? And I just kind of do me and, and lay low and uh, don't publicly out them. But I, I guess I just walk carefully in the tall grass. And if there's snakes, I just walk the other way and I say, I'm not associating with that person. For sure, man. That you, the third party, though, we did kind of find a common thread among the, uh, the the Facebook and Twitter removal, and that was the Digital Forensics Lab, which is an arm of the Atlantic Council, which is, uh, you know, the NATO whitewashing group who's been around for decades trying to provoke war with Russia and, and who's whitewashing the Ukraine-Russia uh, <clears throat> war right now for, for citizens, you know, in America. And that's we... I guess six months after Facebook announced that they were partnering with them, Twitter announced with them. And then when six months after that, we were gone. <clears throat> and um, I mean, that's the only one of the only underlying factors that both of those uh, platforms had in common. And so that's what, you know, that we theorized that that was what was it. And uh, I mean, since we had no response or no legal recourse to any of the, any of the information as to why they did that, then we didn't, you know, we never got definitive proof of them being in that, you know, playing that role, but no doubt. I mean, it's, <laughs> they hired digital forensics research lab, which is the Atlantic council, which then started banning people, which and banned people on both platforms. And that was us. So <clears throat> it's yeah. intense, man. We, we may never get that proof or maybe it'll come out in 20 or 30 years, you know, so right. unfortunately all we can do is speculate on a lot of these things, but dude, you mentioned a, a good point. Um, it was a while back now in the conversation, but I did a presentation last month, or excuse me, actually two months ago, it was at the end of April, uh, in Texas at the Float Fest. Float is oh uh, nice, yeah. yeah Float.app. I think Andy Kaufman spoke at that as well. It's possible, man. They had a bunch of different speakers. Yeah, it was hard to like keep up with everybody who was there. But I actually mentioned you in my presentation because I was trying to make a point and really illustrate to the audience that they could delete us, but they really can't stop us. And this seems to be like a really big conundrum and problem for big tech that they haven't really been able to seem to, to figure out how to stop. So just like you, when we first had our pages taken down, within days, we decided to create the Free Thought Project 2.0. And then a few months later, they took that down. We created the Free Thought Project 3.0 and the Free Thought Project 4.0. And as you had mentioned, you know, there is this problem that they don't really know how to solve, which is when they take us down, if we have enough power behind our brand, if we have enough of a following, 
people will continue to come back and follow us over and over again. All you have to do is, is create a new account. People will yep. find you. And it certainly helps when you have backup pages or you even have a network of colleagues and friends who also have decent sized audiences. So then you say, hey, guys, you just put out you know, a message. Hey, guys, my page was taken down again. Can you please put out a post? And boom, all of a sudden you have a jump start of two to 3,000 new fans and you just continue putting out the the content and the process starts all over again. So it's kind of funny because they haven't really been able to figure out how to get around that. I mean, they could even try to ban our IPs, but like we could still get burner phones. I mean, I have two like, phones literally for that reason because like, right. yeah. <laughs> so we funny. have an account on a single phone. We have a phone. We bought a phone in 2020 and um and it has an account still on going. it. Yeah. And it, I mean, <laughs> you can find any means necessary at this point, you know, like they're not going to silence us, they're not going to stop us. So I'm really glad that you touched on that as well. And yeah, I mentioned you as being one of the examples. It's like, no, this guy is persistent. You know, he's got perseverance. He just keeps coming back and back and back and people keep following him. And, Thank you, man. you know, it continues to grow. Yeah, man. And there's a couple other people too. Anti-state, Liberty. Memes. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, all these guys, you know, Do you know the people behind anti-state because I freaking love them too. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. In fact, I reached out to him earlier today. And I was like, I'm talking to Zach, man. What do you want me to ask him? And uh, he was really <laughs> excited to hear. Um, and in fact, uh, I might have to get around to his question here just because I mentioned it now, but yeah, he, he's a, he's a great guy. He's super generous, super supportive. I know he has uh, his, his own t-shirt line and yeah, uh, I love him. I love his stuff. I mean, very much in line with you and what, what I say, he seems awesome. Thanks brother. So you, you were right. Um, also I hearken back to earlier in the conversation, but I, I just wanted to bring up this one example. Um, so we recently got fact checked by, um, Fact Check USA AFP. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. I don't know. It's no. probably some, yeah, one of these random fact checkers, but I, I put out a meme. Uh, it basically is like the NPC meme. And it says, you know, the NPC is saying like, we never tried to delay the release of the trial data for 75 years. And then, you know, it's like the base guy with the blonde hair or whatever. He's like, well, yes, you did, you know? And then right below that, it's like, well, we never said it would be more than 12% effective. And then he's like, well, yes, you did. And then at the very end, you know, the punchline is like, hey, look over there. SCOTUS is going to outlaw abortion. It was during, you know, the, the height of the abortion uh, debate and whatnot. And of course, you know, this is completely factual on all levels. I mean, there, the trial data was delayed or initially at least for 75 years. Um, the Omicron version of the Pfizer vaccine was uh, only 12% effective. And this is something that MSNBC has reported on. I mean, these are mainstream facts, yet these people over at the AFP uh, fact-checking, they, they hit us with a, a partly false uh, notification and label, which means that our uh, reach is reduced now. You know, we're getting to the bottom. We're basically at the bottom of the news feed now. Yeah. And of course, when we respond to them, when we send them an email, which is the proper way of dealing with these things uh, per Facebook, you know, yeah, they, they, well, first of all, they blow us off. You know, they don't respond. You have of to course. send them two different emails. Finally, they respond. And what they said was, and here's the entire response. This is the entire rebuttal. We've reviewed the post and found the partly false rating is appropriate because of the claims about the safety of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. These are the people who are supposed to be fact-checking. These are the people who are supposed to be going out of their way to give these voluminous explanations that you don't even want to read because it's like 10 paragraphs of all this jargon and information you don't even comprehend. But yet they're so lazy, they know that they could take us down. They know they could throttle our reach. They know that they could get us shadow banned. 
because ultimately, maybe not this specific organization, but a lot of these organizations are run by bigger publications, <laughs> by like Reuters, by USA Today. That accept money from pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, yeah. And there's that, of course, too. But they could, they could, they could, uh, you know, minimize our role as a publisher by throttling our information and our posts. And then they give us these half-assed responses, you know, and it's just so frustrating to me because there's no way of getting around this. You know, I mean, Facebook says, well, you just send an email and you appeal it with them. You're appealing it with the same company and the same organization who fact checked you. How much incentive do they have to actually reverse that? Right. I mean, none, dude, none. And like, it's so funny this ties into everything that's gone on in the last two and a half years and what goes on with the police, right? Is, is it's always the uh, deferring responsibility to someone else. Like, Oh, sorry. Like that's not on us. Uh, like yeah. we're Facebook. This is an independent company that's doing this. And then you do it to them and they either don't respond to you or they'll defer to someone else somehow, or they'll just double down and say, sorry, that's just how it is. We think this post is, you know, ultimately false. And it's like, on what grounds? It just is. It's false. We said so. And yeah. that's what happens with, the whole COVID situation, it's like, I'm just following orders or just the police. I'm just following orders. Sorry, I'm deferring responsibility to someone else instead of actually, you know, being willing to understand what you are propagating. And if you're propagating a lie or what you're standing for is complete bullshit, you just defer responsibility. Roger that, man. Yeah. Which, the, the function of the state is to pass the buck, man. <laughs> you yeah, probably learned that quickly in the military as well. Absolutely. And I'd like to speak on Pfizer for a second too. Um, it's, it's just so interesting to me that uh, like, obviously your audience is already going to be aware of some of the stuff that I'm going to say, but maybe these are little tidbits that they can share with other people. So Pfizer has repeatedly deliberately lied, falsified data, knowingly caused harm, deliberately misled regulators, um, used unwitting children in Africa as guinea pigs for this experimental antibiotic. And this is the one that most people aren't aware of. The uh, current or the, the former commissioner of the FDA, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, is now on the board of directors at Pfizer. Many people are aware of that. And that's already clearly a huge conflict of interest, right? But while he was commissioner of the FDA, one of the things that he did was to expedite the approval process for experimental drugs, right? That is one of the things he did while at the FDA as commissioner. Fast forward, he is now on the board of Pfizer. Pfizer literally just had an experimental drug expedited in its approval process. So the same policy he implemented while he was the commissioner of the FDA, Pfizer who he's now on the board of directors of uses it to their advantage to expedite the approval process of their experimental mRNA vaccine. It's Dude, just unbelievable how corrupt it is. It goes, Scott Gottlieb goes back further than that because before he joined the FDA, he was with Merck. Yep. And if you're familiar with the plant uh, based uh, drug, not drug, well, I guess it is a drug Kratom. Um, Scott Gottlieb waged a war against Kratom while he was in the FDA and um, <clears throat> actually tried to get it outlawed. And was on record multiple times because like they have the Kratom Association, the, the Kratom Users Association in the United States. And they like were lobbying to try to keep Kratom legal because it's mm -hmm. helping millions of people not die of opioid overdose. And he said uh, publicly several times that there's no known, uh, no data showing that uh, Kratom use can help to wean, wean people off of opioid addiction. When I've done it to dozens and dozens of friends of mine, I've gotten, I've had a lot of friends who were addicted to opioids and I personally, I would buy kilos of Kratom 
just to give away, you know, to help. And I've, this has saved a lot of people, you know, from, from possible potential overdose or, or just wrecking their lives. <clears throat> but that, that being said, so Scott Gottlieb waged this war for the entire four years he was in there and sent, com- repeatedly claiming that there's no data. But while we were doing our, this research back in 2017, 2018, we found that Merck, while Scott Gottlieb was working for Merck, actually held several different um, patents on the kratom alkaloids specific- wow. that, were, that Merck conducted the studies of specifically for treating opioid withdrawal. Wow. So he not only knew that, but he was lying about that, uh, you know, to the American people in an American position office. <clears throat> and that's, I mean, it, that's how corrupt these fucking people are, dude. They, it's a revolve. I mean, from Merck to FDA to fucking Pfizer, like that's what they, that's what they're doing. Yep. It's, uh, and that's just, just the pick tip of the iceberg, man. Oh that's the stuff that we can yeah. see publicly and not, you know, we don't see any of the other stuff behind the scenes, which is even more, uh, atrocious, I'm sure. Yep. I'm pretty sure, too, at the time when we were covering those articles, Matt, they were uh, really focused and honed in on the fact that like 39 people across the country or some like minimal number like that had died from Kratom. And of course, you know, when you look into the details, they couldn't even prove it was from Kratom. They had opioids in their system. They also but then had you're like, in their system. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're then you're like, wait a second. But like that is a, a drop in the bucket compared to like pharmaceutical deaths, you know. Exactly. But no one's ever died. dude. If you're going to die from Kratom, I would have died from Kratom a long time ago. <laughs> That's true. That's I mean, I've taken so much where I've thrown up and, you know, had to take some time off. But uh, I don't I'm pretty sure you can't unless you choke on it. I'm pretty sure you can't die from Kratom. (laughs) Yeah. The the craziest part, too, is they still call this Scott Gottlieb character an expert. You know, I mean, he's still being interviewed by all the mainstream. And what's even crazier than that is the CEO of Pfizer actually calling us criminals for sharing misinformation. I Like what a projection there, considering the history of your company. Like my God, the amount of damage that Pfizer has caused and much of which is unknown and unknowable because they, you know, obfuscate the data or manipulate the data surrounding their products or just, uh, you know, don't look at any of the possible side effects or um, always maintain plausible deniability when it comes to vaccine injury and say that there is no link. It's, it's unreal the amount of harm um, that these companies have potentially caused potentially millions and millions and millions of lives. Absolutely. And here's the left and progressives worrying about guns, you know, and it's like, Oh man, like (laughs) meanwhile, you're weaponizing, uh, you know, these pharmaceutical companies against us. Yeah. So do you, you want me to talk about guns now? Like my thoughts? Sure, man. Well, I mean, the mass shootings are, you know, big uh, right now in the news cycle. Uh, we just witnessed what three different mass shootings in three weeks. Uh, definitely a hot topic. Um, so I, I know we probably have, if you're a voluntarist, similar views on this. But, um, you know, what's to say gun control is going to work when places with extremely strict gun control like Chicago, uh, it's obvious that it doesn't. I mean, yeah, what's what's your take on all this? Well, let me use an example um, of something that happened recently. So there was either a college or high school graduation recently, and this like cracked out dude started spraying. I think I believe it was an AR-15 uh, into the crowd, and a lady who was had a um, concealed carry permit had a pistol on her and shot him and fatally wounded him. Um, thus saving potentially tens, hundreds of lives in the process, right? And that gets literally no mainstream coverage 
while this recent shooting, which I want to be clear on this, is absolutely horrible. Is very, very, very sad. The fact that innocent kids died in school, horrible, right? No one wants that. But but the first one, the first example I gave does not reinforce the narrative that guns are bad. That actually reinforced the narrative that a good guy with a gun is uh, what you want in a situation when there is a bad guy with a gun. And bad guys, regardless of whether guns are outlawed, will always find ways to get them. So the second example the school shooting reinforces that narrative um, better than anything else could to where now people are so myopically focused on gun control, just gun control without considering any other option whatsoever or considering the implications of a government <laughs> who over the last two and a half years coerced people to receive an experimental product made by notoriously criminal pharmaceutical companies who aren't liable for injury or death, giving them the exclusive rights to, uh, things that, uh, you know, can cause massive amounts of harm. That's so ass backwards to me in every which way in every, there are so many examples throughout history where taking away the rights of the citizen, actually, let's use a recent one, Australia, they don't have access to guns like we do because they all gave their guns back to the government, I think in the 1990s. And I know so many Australian people that have reached out to me and said, dude, I was against, uh, the ownership of guns, you know, like my family, we gave our guns back to the government. We thought that was the right thing to do. But now with what's happened with COVID, we fully think that the reason or one of the main reasons that the U.S. has not succumbed to tyranny to the level that us or that Canada or, you know, New Zealand has is because you still have the right to bear arms and you still have the right to own semi-automatic and automatic weapons in some states. And I'm like, I completely agree. And the deeper thing here tying it back to the pharmaceutical industry, ironically, is that there's been articles that have come out that have showed that virtually every mass shooter in the last 10 to 20 years was on some form of psychotropic medications or had just come off some form of psychotropic medications. And me seeing how my mom was when she cut cold turkey off of Xanax and how delusional she was, that was actually some of the darkest points of her health journey. Um, because before she met Kelly, she cut cold Turkey cause she started to get a sense of the, Oh, it may be the drugs causing this. And we thought she was crazy. We were like, no, you need to stay on those. Right. But she had this intuitive knowing that they were wrong, but she cut cold Turkey, which shocks your brain. And if you look at the link between psychotropic medications, there's plenty of period viewed studies on benzodiazepines and SSRIs and their link to homicidal or sometimes suicidal in my mom's case, suicidal ideation but oftentimes they do produce homicidal ideations. Um, and there's plenty of studies to back these up. And that's, again, the thing that no one wants to talk about. No one wants to blame pharmaceutical companies there, but it's like so obvious. There's an obvious link between these mass shooters being on benzodiazepines or SSRIs uh, when they commit these atrocious acts. And then deeper down the rabbit hole, we know that the FBI, I believe is the FBI, had a program to actually train um you probably know this better than me, Jason. So you probably want to pick it up from here. The FBI had a program to train, uh, I think people into committing like you, you take it. I don't want to misspeak here. Yeah. Well, Matt wrote the article. Have you had a chance to brush up on that one, Matt? Or because, uh, there was an article that went viral again recently from uh, 2017 that we actually wrote. And it was an aggregated article screenshot that all of a sudden was all over yeah. the internet. About, it was on uh, a shit site too. A week ago. <laughs> 
But yeah, I think uh, that that's correct. The FBI was caught by the parents of uh, autistic oh, or mentally, wow. a mentally disabled. I don't remember specifically. Yeah, mentally but... disabled teenager <clears throat> trying to groom him. They were pretending to be a girl, I believe. Holy and, shit, uh, man. Yeah. So it, but, I mean, it certainly happens. I don't know if it happens as much as the right claims it does. I mean, that's yeah. a kind of a big talking point right now is that the FBI is grooming every mass shooter. You no, know, and that's so, like yeah. this this absolutist like all or nothing yeah. thinking. It does no one any good whatsoever. And it's actually really frustrating. I've even seen people already saying without question, this was fake. No kids died at this school. I'm like, dude, yeah. shut, like, shut the fuck up. First off, you don't know that to be true for certain. And second, that does no one any good it can still be that this was a complete setup it was still a false flag but a false flag does not imply that real people were not affected by it just like 9-11 there's people who say that no one like no one died during 9-11 i'm like what the fuck <laughs> oh my god that is like the dumbest shit i've ever heard <laughs> people died but it was set up by our own government it was an inside job and real people were harmed and that actually makes it more tragic than what the accepted narrative is you, you know I mean, people still get pissed off when we say it was a false flag set up by our government. And again, like we're not saying that no one died. We're saying that people were killed and it's really, really fucking tragic. And it's actually more tragic that it was done by our own government, whom so many of you trust. And they're now using that weaponizing it against you to implement more policies to take control and to take your rights away. That's how they do it. They they cause a tragic event. It's it's, it's all the Hegelian dialect. It's dialectic Hegelian dialectic. Over and over and over again, problem, reaction, solution. There's a, a point I'd like to make, too, about the pharmaceuticals involved in the mass shootings is that back, like, I think maybe the last one that they ever talked about it was when Nicholas Cruz shot up Parkland High School. Um, I, I think I covered a story. There was a, a, a woman talking about it on Fox News and Fox News cut her off. You know, she was talking about, uh, well, we need to address the fact that the SSRIs are tied to many of these, uh, you know, and then Fox News was like, oh, we got to go to commercial. And then they cut her off. <laughs> But I don't think that since then, I don't think that anybody's ever mentioned that ever again, man. And I, the pharmaceutical industry's control over media is just, I mean, it's grown immensely in the past two years. So I, I don't think we're ever going to see another chance of that happening again. When like where that just gets out there, you know, where someone might be, you know, red pilled or whatever, just from hearing that, you know, that just that little sound bite on mainstream or even seeing somebody get cut off for that reason. Real, real <laughs> quick, Jason. Uh, people don't realize this as well. So like, obviously we know that we see pharmaceutical company or pharmaceutical ads all over our, uh, like in between news segments, right? They're always on TV. Um, and obviously pharmaceutical companies dish out billions of dollars in advertising, but here's other two other things. So every single mainstream news organization shares at least one board member with at least one pharmaceutical company. So let's think about the implications of that. These board members are going to meetings with Pfizer, Merck, Sanofi, Johnson Johnson, GlaxoSmithKline, Moderna, and sitting in on those board meetings, you know, ensuring the direction of that organization. Then they go to their news station, Fox, MSNBC, CBS, CNN, and tell them what to report on, what type of news to report on, and what not to report on. That's a massive, massive conflict of interest. So even someone like Fox News who does say some tidbits of truth. I actually think Fox News is the ultimate form of controlled op opposition in a way because yes, they sh share some 
amazing truths, but they share it in a way as if like, this is all you need to know. We're exposing the system. That's it. This is whatever we say. That's all you possibly need to know. It goes freaking viral. Tucker Carlson says something and he says a lot of good shit. I will give him that, but he never says the whole truth. Fox news never shares the whole truth and cuts right to the issue on anything ever. Yeah. And a portion of that, a lot of that, because Tucker Carlson is, I mean, love him and hate, love him or hate him. He does bring up some very powerful issues that literally no one else on the entire network talks about that, you know, he has on Tulsi Gabbard and stuff. And a lot of that, I think with, with, at least in his regard is the fact that they're fucking four minute segments, you know, like True. you can't, you can't True. address or, you know, anything in that time. And I'm not saying that Fox news is a completely controlled opposition, I'm just saying in, in some regard, you know, it's because of their short form bullshit, four minute fucking rants and then cutting away. You know, they let uh, Scott Horton on uh, with the Kennedy show. Um, yeah. I guess that's what I see. I can't remember her first name or maybe that is her first name. Um, but yeah, I'm like, God, you got so much more to say, you know, but they're only doing like eight minute segments. And it's not like she's stopping them from doing anything. But yeah, it's, it's just the short nature of that uh, of that show that that tends or lends to that type of half-assed story <laughs> dude i was so glad to hear to you say that we, we can't just buy into all these different conspiracy theories and i know you're much more of a thinker than just to jump on black and white thinking like that but i think it's so important i think it's something that we really need to reinforce within our community is that there's nuance right there's always going to be nuance to these situations these incidents to these conversations and you're right i think the more that people just jump onto these bandwagons trying to be the most woke or the most edgy, you know, like, oh yeah, like this is a false flag. You're stupid for even asking questions. Obviously this is a false flag. They get points within the, the conspiracy community, but really is it doing anything to, to push our narrative, our, our questioning these official stories? Is it really doing anything to help to the general public? And I don't, I don't think so. I think the public wants to see that kind of discernment being applied. And the more that they see that discernment applied, the more likely they are to actually believe us and trust what we have to say because we're actually making logical points based in reason and evidence rather than just throwing out these assertions or assumptions. And uh, to me, I don't know, it's just dangerous and it seems to be very prevalent right now. I don't know if it's because a lot of these people who are putting it out there and espousing it are just kind of still in the beginning process of the awakening, but it, it's, it's not responsible and I think we could do a better job. I've said this frequently lately, and this is something. Um, that I still hold to be true. Mostly a lot of the people that call themselves free thinkers or critical thinkers or awake, um, are not. <laughs> and what's happened is they've woken up to some of the superficial elements of harm within any of the exploitative, uh, harmful systems that exist. And they have jumped on to this side side, so to speak. And, Instead of actually cultivating independent and critical thought, they now blindly outsource to leaders on this side and blindly outsource to the accepted, the most accepted, most popular counter narrative of the day sure. and don't actually um, explore that topic thoroughly for themselves and determine if it makes sense if it actually makes logical sense, given the context of all the corruption, you know, in any situation, the company's uh, history, who's involved with it, 
Could, what is an alternative possibility? What's what's this side saying? What's that side saying? Okay, now that I've gathered all this information, I filter it through the lens of my own observations, experiences, and intuition and come up with my own thought, my own independent thought on yes. the matter, which may or may not align with some other ones, someone else's thought, which may or may not align with, you know, the accepted uh, counter narrative thought, which is fine if it does, but it's it's that we don't latch on to anything that is thrown in our face as, oh, that must be the objective truth because, you know, Joe Rogan or Elon Musk or even you or I or Free Thought Project said it. So it must be true. Alex Zek said it. So it must be true. Fuck that. Fuck that shit. No more of that. It's that, okay, Alex Zek said it. I typically agree with some of the things he says. So that might give me an indication. Free Thought Project said it. So I typically agree with what they say. So that might give me some indication. But... I'm going to explore it thoroughly for myself and develop sure. and come to my own conclusion on the matter rather than just blindly run with it. And it's so obvious uh, that someone has succumbed to that lack of critical thought and are just accepting the, uh, the most widely accepted counter narrative explanation for any issue. When you approach them and ask them, what makes you think that that is true? What makes you think that? And they also do the same thing that the other side does. And they respond with ad hominems, with bandwagon fallacies, with appeals to tradition, appeals to authority, with some other logical fallacy. And they can't actually provide any evidence or any independent thought or any logic to substantiate anything that they're saying. Most people can't even articulate an argument anymore. I mean, it's really, maybe anymore is direct, the incorrect way of putting it. Maybe they just never knew how to even articulate an argument and you just see assertions, you know, and hey, look, we all have our own opinions, but like, if you want to come at me with truth, you need to articulate an argument. Yeah. I don't think most people even have that comprehension, unfortunately. And as yeah, to your point, you know, like we get things wrong occasionally. I mean, we're not always 100% right 100% of the time. I mean, nobody is, right? Not even the fact checkers, the fact checkers. But, you know, right. so I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're wrong most of the time. Let's just put that out there. But I mean, yeah, absolutely use your own discernment. And on the flip side too, from what I just said, like it doesn't mean that applying our own discernment means that we automatically believe the narrative that we take all these things uh, as as truth, you know, because that's irresponsible as well. In fact, I'm looking at a PolitiFact uh, fact check right now that says the school shooting at the elementary school in Uvalde County, Texas was a false flag or wasn't a false flag. And it was posted on the same day the shooting happened. So how like, the fuck how, are you going to determine whether it's a false flag? <laughs> you're doing it wrong, PolitiFact. Like you got to get the, you got to kind of ask the questions and you know acquire <laughs> of course some evidence do it first. Wrong, but exactly. So I mean, here's that on the complete polar opposite end, where it's like, yeah. no, like of course it wasn't a false flag. It's like, no, like we don't know that either. Don't you know, blindly yeah. dismiss anything. Don't blindly accept anything. That's right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Man. I think QAnon played a large role in that too, man. It muddied the water so big and. Everybody coming in with their like Trump is the Messiah, and then this QAnon came in and like clouded their minds with all this crazy shit. And sure, and yeah, I, I mean, I used to go to like I'd go to parties two years ago, and people would be telling me like, "Dude, you don't even know they're gonna do these satanic things with you know with all these babies, the Democrats that are like killing babies and sucking their blood and shit." And I'm like, "Dude, do you have any evidence? What's well, oh, this message board QAnon said, you know, like." Oh my God, dude, come on. And some yeah, of that they, shit could be true. Like they could be they doing they that. They have Bohemian Grove where they did a yeah. fucking mock sacrifice of a child in front of a giant fucking satanic owl yeah. named Moloch, you know, but they didn't even hear that. 
They never saw that. They don't, you know, they're just repeating this fucking narrative. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, and, and that's the issue. And, that's the issue. Right, right. It's like they've become passive reverberators of somebody's talking points that just get handed down. And uh, man, I know that I was that. I was that for years. And I would defend those points like violently against, uh, you know, other people's points. And uh, I almost lost friends for it, you know. <laughs> When I was yeah. in the like the zeitgeist movement, I wanted to, oh yeah, to you know, I, like, I believed movie. in this like where there shouldn't be any money in there, but you know, there shouldn't be any exchange of value or any current, you know, like anything. We shouldn't own property; it should all be public. And and I was a dick about it to my friends who were all capitalists, you know, and and I almost lost my friends because I didn't question anything that I was repeating. I watched the fucking DVD and then I would just go reverberate that DVD <laughs> out again, you know, and that. It uh not, not until I learned the process of challenging my my own principles and and not just any other thought out there, but challenging my own principles of repeatedly to to because they're not right. I'm sure I still have some fucked up things that I do and say and that I shouldn't, you know. And we all uh, do, bro. And like that's right. the thing, though, is at least I would say that the three of us on this are aware that we are flawed and are working to fix those flaws. Sure. Are aware that you know we still have elements of conditioning that we succumb to in, in every which way. And at least we're aware of it though. And at least we acknowledge it and continue to work on it. That's, that's the whole thing. And I think the reason people latch on to things like QAnon um, or, you know, for, for me, from my perspective, even things like the, the snake venom thing that went around for a while that I personally don't resonate with that A lot of people latched onto immediately. Um, is, is because they want to feel like they are a part of something bigger and they see other people latching onto it. So they want to be a part of that in group yeah. and they always want to, you know, find a tribe to identify with. And it's like, what I want to identify with is rather than the things that I've explored, the things that I've experienced and my perceptions, I don't want to identify with those. I want to identify with the act of exploring the act of experiencing the act of perceiving. Cause as long as I'm doing that, I'm open to all new possibilities and I will go down to the depths of any fucking rabbit hole without, you know, at least for the most part, any need to be like, no, I don't want to do believe that because if it's true, then it, you know, goes against my whole accepted paradigm that I have right now. And that's led me down the depths of some crazy ass shit. And I'm open to it though, because I'm just open to continuing exploring and open to the possibility that something that I may have held true could be fucking completely wrong. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way we evolve. That's the only way we grow, you know, counterintuitive information is how we evolve. And, uh, by, by questioning it, it if we're wrong, well, Hey, we we're on a better line of thinking, but if we're right, it only reinforces the values and principles that we already hold. So, um, just one last thing here. I know we're getting close to our time limit. Um, we were just talking about QAnon and Trump. And it's funny because, uh, you know, Trump was so toxic to the left that I still feel like we're still dealing with some of the reverberations of uh, his time in office. And one of those things I'll mention really quick was uh, we were just talking about how shooters uh, oftentimes the mass shooters tend to be on psychotropics or SSRIs or whatever. That was a very common narrative around 2017, 2018. And 
Matt and myself and the other writers that we did have, we once had seven different writers on our team. They found a lot of information on that topic. And it seemed like every time there was a mass shooting, whether it be the Orlando or the Dayton shooter or the Vegas shooter, there was always a link back to these psychotropic drugs. And all of a sudden that narrative died. And we realized this a couple shows back that we did. We're like, Matt, what? I was like, Matt, like what happened to this narrative? We don't see it anywhere. The mainstream never questions it. I mean, even alt media, we don't see it anywhere on the internet or on social media. And so I, I Googled it and, you know, I was doing some research and I, I realized that in 2019, it was like the end of the narrative. Like it completely got shut down. Mm-hmm. And it was because Trump actually happened to mention that maybe these shooters are on medications. Maybe these shooters are actually you know, something wrong with their, their mind or whatever. And of course, immediately all the different fact checking companies, uh, a few which are um, associated with big pharma and big pharma actors, um, they of course shut down that narrative. They dismissed it. And since then, since about 2019, uh, we haven't seen it since. I actually did a video on this on my own Instagram and it's it's actually the most viewed video that I've, I've ever done because I think people realize like, wait a second, like how all of a sudden does this just completely disappear? And so it's kind of just starting to now resurface, but it's almost like we're not allowed to talk about it on social media. There's so many elements there. One is, you know, this is a trap that people like us three typically get in being so against, you know, the the left versus right illusion altogether and and against um, the federal government. Like I don't identify with any of it. And I know you, you guys typically don't as well is that, we will also immediately think that some a figure like Trump can't possibly say anything that is good, just like kind of like the left. Or we'll think that, you know, that he that any element of someone that is controlled can't possibly say something that is beneficial. And that's an example like Trump has actually in, you know, multiple occasions throughout history, even in, you know, I think it was like between 2014, 2016, speaking about the potential link between autism and vaccines. Like he absolutely has said things that are positive. It's that the totality of what he brings to the table, though, reinforces the tribalistic left versus right paradigm, gets people to blindly trust and blindly follow him as some, uh, you know, pseudo jesus christ in a way that is coming to save us and subverting the system with his group of white hats behind the scenes and all this nonsense and it's not that it's all bad or all good it just is and you need to be able to discern and differentiate truth from falsehood and again always come back to exploring something for yourself and cultivating independent thought now the other piece of that is The fact that that died out in 2019 is extremely telling because I would say the industry that has been the most, um, how do I put this? The pharmaceutical industry has been the one that has been the most heavily bombarded by people on our side of the spectrum. So they want to limit any possibility for us to draw attention to any other negative aspects of pharmaceutical companies right when they're literally needing those exact companies to be able to usher in uh, this whole COVID charade and then also inevitably the Great Reset. So of course, they're not going to want to allow anything into the space that paints pharmaceutical companies, at least to that depth, in a negative light. Because the only thing you ever hear from the left or any pundit on the left or on the right, and, and well, on the, the right does typically talk about the vaccine issue a little bit more, but only superficially. But 
especially on the left, all that you typically hear is the superficial argument of, oh, they're hiking up their prices. And I'm like, and, and that's why they're corrupt. I'm like, no, they're fucking corrupt because they bastardize what nature already gives us, applied a bunch of synthetic carcinogens to it, and then try to sell it to us as medicine when it's literally poisoning our fucking body. It's not because they're hiking up their prices. It's because they've completely perverted what health looks like in the United States. So it's, it's that they never want to paint it in a negative, paint the industry in a negative light, uh, and of course, wanted to limit that prior to the start of this whole charade. Man, that's awesome. a great way to, to end the podcast, I think, man. That was, uh, yeah, well said. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work that we do, value for value. Also, go to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com. At the top, you'll find the tabs for our membership. Also, check out our store. We have a bunch of T-shirts, stickers, and other merch there. Is there anything you wanted to plug, Alec? Yeah, uh, I don't want to plug any of my social media because I'll just get deleted. And you guys will be hitting me up and saying, hey, dude, like the account that you shared is already gone. So do you have a new one that we could put in the show notes? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's actually happened on a couple of podcasts. So I, I would just plug my organization, healthfreedomforhumanity.org. We're actually in the middle of developing um, our own donation-based membership platform that will launch sometime in August. And uh, our mission statement is to educate, empower, and unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, and that is the reclamation and defense of health freedom. We have state chapters. We have chapters in other countries. We're growing as fast as we can, and we're going to have a lot of solutions-oriented stuff on the back end of our membership portal. So please just head to healthfreedomforhumanity.org and uh, subscribe to our newsletter for now so you can stay in touch with us. Awesome. Yeah, it's such a beautiful time. You know, we have the medical freedom community, we have uh, gun rights community, we have the hacker community, the crypto community, ranchers, truckers, homeschoolers. I mean, everybody's kind of coming together in this time, you know, and I think COVID really pushed a lot of people outside of the, the spectrum of the state. And they kind of realized that it's not in their best interest. So, um, dude, it was unless Matt has anything else to say. Um, oh, yeah, it, it was, was really good awesome talking to you. Brother, you're a leader. You've really stepped up to the plate during the pandemic and helped provide much needed perspective to thousands of people on the internet. And it makes sense why you found so much success in this arena. Uh, it also makes sense why you get so much resistance from the resistance from the establishment. And um, you know that often happens when we're dropping truth bombs over the target. So uh, we appreciate your time with us today. And thank you for allowing our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you for having me, guys. Sincerely, thank you so much. For sure. Absolutely, brother.